Welcome to another episode of the For God's Love podcast. Welcome to a new year as well. We praise God because He has kept us alive and some of us may be in better health than others, but still we count the blessings that we have. We've had food on the table, the shelter of our heads, We've had clothes covering our backs. We give thanks for the little things that we have because they're not so little. And some people don't have these things. Anyway, I am grateful as well for you, the listeners, who have listened all over the world, um, from Russia, France, Netherlands, the US, Australia, Kenya. I have to say that that is really humbling and maybe one day we'll meet and we'll talk about whatever. Um, When Jesus comes the second time or if he should orchestrate that we run into each other, I would be grateful for such an occurrence, but even regardless, may God bless you, may God take care of you as we begin a new year, or as we have begun a new year, I do pray and hope the very best for you. Now the last time we talked about Nicodemus and the need for him to be born again, Nicodemus focused on the physical, whereas Jesus was trying to teaching something new, something spiritual. And that at the heart of every dealing of God with man is his love for him. God loves humanity. And that's why he sent his son to die on the cross for us. Today we carry on that story. And in particular, we'll be reading John chapter 3, verse 22 to 36. I read from the New English Translation, verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples came into Judean territory, and there he spent time with them and was baptizing. John was also baptizing at Enon, near Salim, because water was plentiful there. And people were coming to him and being baptized. For John had not yet been thrown into prison. Now a dispute came about between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew concerning ceremonial washing. So they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the one who was with you on the other side of the Jordan River, about whom you testified, see He is baptizing and everyone is flocking to him. John replied, No one can receive anything unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but rather I have been sent before him. Look, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands by and listens for him, rejoices greatly when he hears the bridegroom's voice 
This then is my joy and it is complete. He must become more important while I become less important. The one who comes from above is superior to all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks about earthly things. The one who comes from heaven is superior to all. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. The one who has accepted his testimony has confirmed clearly that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he does not give the Spirit sparingly. The Father loves the Son and has placed all things under his authority. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life. The one who rejects the Son will not see life, but God's wrath remains on him. Verse 22 begins with the phrase, after this. Like we said, the immediate context was the conversation with Nicodemus. And the immediate context preceding this is Jesus' appeal to do deeds of good. A conversation with Nicodemus entailed what it means to be born again and born from above and why without this we can't have eternal life, which is something we're all searching for, right? We're also told that Jesus and his disciples came into Judean territory and in this territory they spent time together and Jesus was baptizing. Now one lesson here is this. Jesus spent time with his disciples and invites us to spend time with him through prayer and study of the Bible. Another lesson is that Jesus also baptizes and we too are called to turn away from our sins and be baptized not just by water but by the Spirit as well. We are invited to become born again, as he told Nicodemus. Now in verse 23, we learn that John was also baptizing at Enon near Salim. We learn that the reason why John baptized here was because water was plentiful here. We also learn that people were coming to him and being baptized. Another lesson we learn here. Baptizing or immersion in Greek requires people to be submerged in water. It symbolizes death when we are submerged in the water and resurrection when we come up out of it. Our old sinful self dies and a new self living for Christ comes out. We are called to come to Jesus and be baptized. Now in verse 24, we learn that all this happened before John was thrown in prison. So we can anticipate that in the story. This is important, so keep it in mind because it shapes John's words afterwards in this story for today. Now pay close attention to this dispute that arose between John's disciples and a certain Jew 
concerning ceremonial washing or purification from verse 25 downwards. Ceremonial washing, by the way, was meant to make one ceremonially clean. How did someone become ceremonially unclean? Some examples included touching an unclean animal, such as a pig or camel, or touching a dead body. Other examples can be found in Leviticus. The most predominant way of becoming clean again entailed washing, either through being submerged or washing hands. Now verse 26 informs us that after this dispute, the disciples then came to their teacher, John the Baptist, and said to him that the one, speaking of Jesus, who was with him on the other side of the Jordan River, about whom he, that is John the Baptist, testified, calling him the Lamb of God, that Jesus was baptizing, and people were flocking to him. How does this connect to the dispute mentioned in the previous verse? Notice this, various commentators suggest that the dispute was about Jesus and his stance on ceremonial washing. Jesus was questioned a number of times why he and his disciples never ceremonially washed their hands before eating. And you can find this controversy in Mark chapter 7. It is possible that the dispute was, and listen closely to this, why does Jesus have people come to him? Yet his stance on ceremonial washing is contrary to what we as Jews believe. The answer is because God is giving him, that is Jesus' followers, and he is not wrong as the disciples may have been thinking. But alas, John replies in verse 27, we learn that John said, no one can receive anything unless it has been given to him from above. Now, the question is, who is receiving anything from heaven? Is it John or Jesus or both? Let's try and find the answer. In verse 28, John continues to call on his disciples to remember that he said he is not the Christ. He had been sent before him, meaning he was subservient to him, to the Christ. Remember our question, who receives anything, John or Christ? Let's read on. In verse 29, we learn that John says this, The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. She, that is the bride, has been given to him, that is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, he stands by and listens for the bridegroom. In that context, the friend is subservient to the bridegroom. He, that is the friend, rejoices when he hears the voice of the bridegroom. This then is John's joy, and it is complete. Jesus is the bridegroom, and John is the friend of the bridegroom. John has heard the voice of Jesus. He was sent before him, and has seen and heard him. 
His mission had been completed as the friend of the bridegroom, and now the bride and the bridegroom have to be left alone and spend time together because they are married. By the way, the bride represents the many people that were flocking to Jesus. In verse 30, John says that Jesus must become more important, and he, John, should be less important. This is ominous of the fact that John will end up in prison as we had read earlier. He is seeing the sunset in his work. His sun is setting, but Jesus' sun is rising. Verse 31, John says that the one who comes from above is superior to all. This one is Jesus. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks about earthly things. This one is John. The one who comes from heaven is superior to all. This one is Jesus. Because Jesus is superior to all, he gives. John therefore receives from Jesus. Even the very disciples that he had were given to him by Jesus. In verse 32, John says that he, Jesus, testifies about what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. People are rejecting his message. As is what the disciples of John, with their skepticism, were a danger of doing. Here we learn a lesson, and it's this. We are called to have an intelligent faith, and questioning is good. But we have to be careful not to question and doubt stubbornly. Most of the times, those who do not accept Jesus' testimony, either through rejection or passively ignoring it, do so, not out of lack of evidence, but out of stubbornness. Now in verse 33 we read on, and John says that the one who has accepted his testimony, that is Jesus' testimony, has confirmed clearly that God is truthful. The one who rejects has confirmed clearly that God is full of lies. Why is it that rejecting Christ's testimony is calling God a liar? Well, verse 34 has these three points. Jesus was sent by God. Jesus speaks the words of God. God gave Jesus the Spirit in unlimited measure. In other words, Jesus is the ultimate prophet. Rejecting him is greater than rejecting other prophets, such as John, because in Jesus is every gift that heaven could dispense. We also learn in verse 5 that the Father loves the Son and has placed all things under his authority. We learn again that Jesus is supplied with everything. And now we see it's because the Father loves him. In verse 36 we get an appeal. And John says that the one who believes in the Son, the Son who God loves and has given everything, has eternal life. The one who rejects the Son will not see life, but God's wrath remains 
on him. Look, ultimately, today's lesson is, will we reject Jesus' testimony or will we believe in him? It was an awkward question for John's disciples. Jesus is above all and requires us to decrease and him to increase. The glory of his work belongs to him. Who do we follow? Jesus. The appeal by John to his disciples was this. Jesus is above all. Follow him and submit to him. He who believes in him has eternal life. My question to you is this. Do you want to live forever?